Ah, yes, friends. On a Monday, it's OGP, the one giant podcast, or Sunday, depending on when you absorb the information. I'm one of your hosts, Adam Marnbrecht. I'm also covering the Brooklyn Nets, sadly, on the Locked On Nets podcast right now in this moment. And over there is your other host, Andy Makowitz, season generational ticket holder for the New York Football Giants and uh, healthy, wealthy, and wise, my friend. Yeah, I, it's so nice out today, you know, right around MetLife Stadium. So, so nice that, you know, took my son for a walk in the stroller with my wife. Just so happens, you know, uh, one of the Giants players was just kind of walking his dog outside too. Everyone wanted to get outside. And, and uh, you know, just, just a perfect, perfect Sunday over here. Oh, you better believe it, my friends. It drizzled in the morning and then the sunshine came out, got up near 70. Perfect opportunity. Mm. My father, by the way. Uh, had a trip down to Florida where I think it was going to be 90 today. So just to pass that along to you where you had once been and no longer are only a 30, you know, 20 to 30 degree difference. It's all relative friends as the NFL combine uh, took place over from just before the weekend, all the way through wrapping up today, we're recording on Sunday. So there'll be a cornerback secondary special teams are all going to go today, but we're going to bleed over. We're going to have, some more specific names as we move through the week here that we think the giants can target where some, some names could be rising up the draft boards. And, and if we think you could quote unquote reach for a talent that maybe showed up at the combine and really indicates he could be a steal, especially in those mid and later rounds of the draft. But here there, the, the, the caveat that I always give when you watch the combine is like, listen, you want to take in all the information you get on these guys here. You also want to remember to go watch the tape, right? Like I think, the combine's best function when you get beyond if it's top end of the draft prospects, I think what you're looking for is affirmation that this guy should be up there. And then we're you get into these character pieces that we're going to talk about in a second for guys that are further down the line. I think the combine for, for team scouts is to come in, see a player and go, you know what? Let's go back and look at their tape a second time here, because maybe we're seeing that the athleticism, the speed, the quickness, the instincts, or when it comes to the Wonderlic test, right? And then maybe they have a higher football IQ than we initially realized. And if we go back with this new lens on, we may find a lot of good tape that says we could have a steal in the middle rounds here. So that I like to think that that's how most teams and how the Giants and Joe Shane and Brian Dable are approaching this is like, Let's confirm what we thought we already knew on guys, and then let's try to be surprised by some players because there is always somebody in the third, fourth, fifth, sixth round. There's always going to be names that go on to have much better careers than anyone anticipated. Well, so the interesting thing, and I was going to actually toss this out to you as more of a yeah, philosophical right. question. It's it's like, how much does the the combine matter? And usually I'm like, oh, it doesn't really matter. But then I thought to myself, like, why, how are these lists originally getting created before the combine, right? Like people, someone right. sees, you know, Kayvon Thibodeau or Evan Neal or whomever, and they put him at the top of the list. They're like, this guy goes number one, or this guy should go number one, or Eden Hutchinson is clearly the number one. And then like people just take whatever someone else has done and run with it. Don't actually look at things. And, and that's why a guy like, we'll talk about Trayvon Walker in a little bit. Like, yeah, man, he'll be in the first round at some point. It's like, did anyone actually watch? the games did anyone actually do anything and then when you see like to your point these guys show up at the combine they show like crazy athleticism and then you go back on the tape and you validate it and you're kind of like okay why was that guy not in this discussion beforehand and it's literally because someone plants the flag and everybody else follows suit in terms of the rankings right Oh, I think so. Yeah, because, you know, it's funny. So the first part is it's like there's the one factor of like small school versus big school, right? You play on really good tape. There's some guys that 
running backs that just played behind someone that got drafted in the first round two years ago and then someone that got drafted in the second round last year and now they finally got their chance to show up and maybe they didn't get to put enough on film you know smaller school players struggle with the idea of what's the level of competition and that can validate or invalidate it but knowing that i'm someone you follow being from syracuse you follow college sports more closely than i do so when i come when i watch the combine like literally what I do, and we'll we'll see. I, I've had some hits, I've had some misses over the past couple of seasons when we've done this. But like, I just sit there and I go drill by drill. You take a look at their weight, and then you say, "Hey, pretty good forty time there." And then drill by drill, I just do a little plus or minus next to their name about if I thought they looked good in that drill, or I thought they looked okay, or it looked like they were bad. Right, tightness in the hips, all this kind of stuff. By the end of it, I just go back and go, "Oh, look, I had four out of six. This guy was a plus player. Where is he projected in the draft?" And then I go watch some tape and I start to develop an opinion around someone that I like objectively, I don't have them on my radar, right? Like I don't have any preconceived notions about guys. So it's interesting as we get to, we'll turn the page here and get a little bit into some specific names here, Kayvon Thibodeau. And that's because here's a guy who would have to do a lot wrong to take him away from the top of the draft and someone that the Giants are very excited about. And there's a, there's a, a tie in here to another player and to uh, Daniel Jeremiah over on the NFL Network, but what was your what was your initial take on the very little that we saw from him because he ultimately didn't end up participating in all of the drills? You know, listen, he said he was basically projecting like Jadavian Clowney, but he was a more all around complete athlete and had a better skill set than him. So basically, if he's saying his floor is three time Pro Bowler, forty sacks, like that's a pretty good floor in the top five. Right? Well, the other thing is, too, I'll just, you know, to put in context, this is what everybody does at the combine. Everyone sits there and says, what's a compare? Give me a comparable player at the NFL level that this guy has the skill sets or the 40 time or, you know, some of the measurables that they line up with weight and everything else. Right. So, yeah, hey, Clowney is a guy that I'm similar to in skill set. I'd like to think that's my base and I go from there and build from that. So when, you know, listen, not to nothing but love for Carl Banks, but when he says be your own guy, right? Be just be Thibodeau 1.0. Yes, obviously, but there's nothing wrong. Like, again, there's nothing wrong with one comparing yourself to another player that's in the NFL or learning from it. Right. But maybe you can look on tape and say, listen, by the measurables, I could do a lot of the things that cloudy does. And here's what I want to bring to it. Maybe a little more speed. Maybe I want to try to cut the edge a little bit quicker, whatever. Maybe I play a little bit leaner because it affords me to do some different things. So I, I wasn't really, that part of it I wasn't concerned about. Like that, that, that seemed like a bit of a, a throwaway, at least to the extent of I think we're analyzing the one or two word difference and not giving the full context piece of it. I'm more just on the idea of like, does does it knock do you knock him down at all because he didn't participate in everything? Like do you do you do you get bothered by the fact that whether or not this kid has a high motor and he could be a great player for the, and the, by the way, I'll, I'll put the comparison as to last year's draft class when it came to uh Micah Parsons, right? It was the questions about personality is he a little bit of this a little bit of that he goes he gets drafted he has an electric year looks like he's going to be one of the most dominant versatile defensive players in the league for years to come so do you just gloss over those things because they also said the giants did interview him uh, directly and he said around that i got they grilled me a lot they threw a lot of different things at me they're trying to get a gauge of who i am what am i going to be like am i going to fit in with what they want to do etc do you just gloss over that stuff i'm not you know because it's hard for me to, again, same way. It's, I don't want to put too much stock in it, but if I'm talking about a guy that's predicted to be a top five player in the draft, 
I, I have to take something away from this, don't I, or don't I? I guess no, you, no. My answer is no, you don't. And and it's simple. It's like when you're projected to be a top five guy, and you're saying the tape speaks for itself. Like, how much better can you can you move from four to two? Can you move from three to two? Like, what what's the upside for him to be able to do these things? And Adam, I'll be honest. The combine, a lot of guys are passing on this stuff lately because they want to just do their pro day. Pro day is like in their own facility, with their own people, managing their own time, doing everything in its better vacuum. They're like flying these guys in from Oregon down to Indianapolis, staying in a hotel room has to like show up. Like it, it's a completely different situation. Listen, if he doesn't want to do anything at all, that would concern me. No interviews, no 40 times, no pro day, no nothing. And he's just like, I'm good as is. That would concern me. Listen, he ran the 40. He did some interviews. He's probably going to do his pro day. Like I, I don't know. Uh, there's not much more that I that I think you really need at that point. No, that's fine. I, I, like I said, and that, and that, by the way, it's the same thing of saying if he makes this comparison to Clowney, oh no, he should be his own person, whatever. I don't know if I'm too concerned that he said he was going to participate in the drills and then chose not to, whether it's scheduling or otherwise. But we'll see. And listen, the bottom line is he's obviously a heck of a talent and you weren't, again, he's a player that was not going to get hurt by anything that happened in the combine short of him running a 5-5, you know, 40 or something. Okay, question for you. Real quick, Kayvon Thibodeau, they're at number five for the Giants. Are you happy if they select him? Well, yeah, yeah, it's fine. I'll be happy. Again, like he falls into the category of like now I go and look at all these players because he's someone that's gotten a lot of hype, but now we're going to talk about the other side of it. So I'm not I'm not dismissing the question. There's, there's a number of players I'd be very excited for the Giants to take at five. Like <laughs> there's a whole spectrum of guys. I'd be elated if they took him at five and if he's there for them, right? But... As we turn our attention over to, and tip of the hat to friend of the show, we can only assume, Aziz Ojolari, who was very excited when I threw up the idea of a Georgia Bulldog reunion in one Trayvon Walker, who, among this entire group of Georgia Bulldogs, had a heck of a combine appearance for himself. Uh, you mentioned a player like Thibodeau running a 4-5, what was it, 4-5-6, 4-5-8, 40-time, because I've got in front of me a player who's 275 pounds and ran a 4-5-1 40 time in Trayvon Walker. Uh, as I say, I came into this with just my eyes open, looking to put plus marks next to different players. Trayvon Walker did absolutely everything that you wanted in every single drill at 270, I think two pounds. They said he weighed in officially the combine. He looked fluid. He looked smooth. He looked instinctual. He had good ball hand skills. They they showed some of the highlights at college where he has experience dropping back and disrupting passing lanes for the quarterback. Daniel Jeremiah put this guy up, mocked to the Giants at fifth overall in his mock draft coming into the combine. Uh, to me, you talk about a guy, depending on whose board you looked at, Couple multiple boards, though, had him top 15, closer to 10 than 15 before the combine. There's no reason why a kid like this shouldn't be coming out of the combine and saying he's in consideration to be at the top end of the draft. Yeah, well, that's what we were talking about at the top of the show, right? Like, why was Trayvon Walker not part of this? He was he showed up in the college football play, one of the best players on Georgia defense. It wasn't like he was a flash in the pan. He played yeah. consistent all throughout the year. Yeah, he's 20 pounds more than Kayvon Thibodeau. They're about the same height, about both about 6'5", and he's running faster than him. So, like, Yes, obviously it, it it goes down to tactics and elusiveness and all this other stuff when you're talking about being a you know an edge rusher or a defensive end. 
But yeah, like he worked himself into a higher discussion. I think edge rushers are much like quarterbacks where they're probably going to creep up the draft board regardless of, of what happens yep. though. Yep. Um, and, but so for me, I kind of thought he was going to be a top 15 ish kind of guy. And, you know, d- kudos to D- Daniel Jeremiah putting him and pegging him to the, to the giants in the top 10. Everyone thought he was crazy. And then he goes and shows up and shows out the way that he did. And everyone's like, okay, let's go back and look at his tape. And Oh, wow. Wow. He was on one of like the best defenses in the history of college football. And by the way, as we expand this out into all these Georgia Bulldogs that have great games, I'll throw, throw it back out to you there. Then now we have a month and a half away before the NFL draft comes up. If at five, the giants picked Trayvon Walker over Thibodeau, say they're both there. Do you take issue if they pick one player over another? Like, like that, that's the need, right? Everything else has worked out. There's no offensive line. It's not about that. It's just about here we are looking to take a dynamic defensive player. And they say, Walker's the guy. Would you take the step back and say, really? Because Thibodeau has been the consensus top four, top three player in the draft since day one. And this guy is a late bloomer pushing up the board, even if it's only by 10 spots. Well, so for me, I still prefer Kevon Thibodeau. But it's more of because of the talent around him, right? Like Kayvon was the only guy in Oregon. And like they would they would double team him, they would chip block him, they would do anything in their power to be able to stop him because he was really the only player on their defense, right? Like if, if you think about it, when you're playing for Oregon, they're not really known for their defensive players, they're known for a lot of their offensive players. So for me, that that's like kind of part of the interesting piece of it. The other piece is like when you look at where uh um uh, Trayvon Walker comes from, he, you know, think about the other guys that were on the defensive line. You have Devontae Wyatt, who ran a 4.740. You have Jordan Davis, who is right now the star of the combine, yeah. ran a 4.7840 at 341 pounds. Like, even The Rock was like, that's insanity that someone that big can run that fast. So think about all of that talent around Trayvon Walker. To me, I like the guy that's like the big fish by himself getting double teamed as opposed to Pick your poison against the Georgia defense. You're going to have to let one of those top 50 picks run wild. It just so happens to be Trayvon Walker or Jordan Davis today. I agree with you. I agree with you in the sense of because you feel like you get more validation out of a guy that doesn't as less around him to work off of. The only pushback would be, well, we've seen a lot of Georgia Bulldogs come out and be really successful, right? Like, and it's the same like Alabama, right? Guy comes out of Alabama, you go, wow, you play with a lot of talented guys. You go, yeah, but they're all just talented. And that, Wait, that's you, just, you that's don't want more guys. From, are you saying you just don't want more guys from Duke? Is that what you're looking for? There's very specific schools that I would prefer not to get players from. Like I think big fish and little pond should only be applied in certain scenarios. And Thibodeau seems like he's cheap among them. You mentioned Davis as the Georgia Bulldog. A couple other guys that came out there, uh, the running back that came out and ran a electric for a four 40 time there, right? Yeah. So actually there's, it's a two headed monster at at Georgia. There's actually two running backs. One is Zamir white and one is James cook. Um, James cook though. Yeah. James yeah, Cook, James. Uh, younger brother of. Really? Is that true? Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, you're, yeah. you're teaching, you're educating me. They about were, they were, they were, they were showing this side by side. Oh, I, I didn't even, I didn't pick that up. So there you go. Well, yeah. so James Cook, uh, great running back. He's projected to be, you know, seventy or somewhere in the seventy. So like a third round draft pick. He was flying at a four four two forty, which is just ridiculous. And then Zamir White steps up, and he has a four four flat forty. And he's projected to be in the third round, maybe in the second. The thing about um, James, uh, the thing about James Cook 
he's kind of the guy that you feel like is pretty sure in, in, in what you're going to get with, with him. Oh yeah. Zamir white has this tremendous upside. The problem is he's torn both of his ACLs in each of his knees, one in high school, right. one. Yeah. One, one in college. And they're saying like, he's still running four, four forties. They say he's one of those guys. The tape looks far better than the numbers that you see stat wise, but sure. they're saying he like, he's got the same frame as like, uh, Tariq Cohen and Alvin Kamara, where he could be electric with the ball if you get it in his hands. But again, this is just an example to your point of like Georgia won the national championship because they have a ton of really good players. And we've been talking about how we're not upset whenever we draft an Alabama player, because clearly they're pretty good as well. And it's like, just get as much talent as we can in the building. Can we, can we just agree on that? Oh, of course. Yeah. Listen, and you know, when it comes to the running back position, by the way, I prefer the guy that like showed a little bit, but only got like 50 carries in his college career. Cause it just means there's more tread on those tires when he gets <laughs> right. to the pros. So that's my new personal preference when it comes to that position. Um, like, like we said, we're going to dive into, we want to get to something around specifically on the giants currently in this moment, but we're going to continue to dive into these guys, the linebacking core where, uh, uh, Quay Walker also out of Georgia was in the combine. He performed pretty well, but I just want to put this out there in the moment. Uh, there were players like Graham Mobley, who I thought performed pretty well. These were all linebackers. Lloyd, who's obviously considered up among the top of the NFL draft. I thought he looked good, but this is kind of probably a guy who, like, if he looks good, it confirms that he's great. If anything else, then you try- start to knock him. But uh, Muma, there's two Jacksons that, that came out of this one. Both performed pretty darn well uh, to go along with uh, Mafa as well. Like These are just names. I'm putting them out there right now because I'm going to come in during the week and really highlight these guys because these are some guys that are either top of the second round pushing towards the first round or middle round players where, again, you need to find quality in those mid rounds. And I, my takeaway from the, from the weekend here was, oh, the Giants, especially at some of the positions that look deeper, like wide receiver, we talk about the tight end position we'll get into as well. These are guys that the Giants can quote-unquote steal in the third, fourth, and maybe even into the fifth and sixth rounds if they play their draft cards right. I, I love that you're doing these deep dives, Adam. It makes me excited. You know, I, I was only able to watch just a handful of, of some of the players perform, obviously a lot of the Georgia Bulldogs. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, the, the important thing is this: the Giants have so many different picks that are upcoming in this draft. It's not just first-round picks that they have. They have seven or eight for picks all along this, and the Giants need depth across all positions, right? It's not just they need a game-changing defensive end. Like, yes, they do, but they need four offensive linemen right now, right? And we're going to have to dig a little bit deeper in the draft for that. They're going to need linebackers, depending on what happens with Blake Martinez. So, like, there's going to be more than than just the guys that run the 4 five forty that are potentially top 10 that we're going to have to dive into. Of course. And not, and not only that, too, there's going to be guys that run really slow 40s that are still really good, and that's the difference of some of these things, right? You can't, everything can't get lumped into this one category of if he looks electric in X, then he must be a great player. There's a reason why some guys are projected to go lower. In show correction here, that is Trayvon with an A, Walker, coming out of Georgia. So we'll be sure to uh, continue to dive in on his tape as well, because I am a fan of his. But after the NFL combine wraps up, let's close it out with just a little bit of a footnote here. We had mentioned it previously around the price tag for one Mitchell Trubisky and what could be uh, a a potential roadblock here for the Giants wanting to bring him in and be a part of this quarterback room. They're saying the speculation is that teams around the league are discussing a $10 million per year price tag on Mitch. Let me ask you a second question, maybe first. Assume that the Giants can afford to make that work under the cap. Can they sign Mitchell Trubisky for more money than Daniel Jones is making? No, you just can't do it. Like, 
I, I mean, at that point, what's there? There's a few things that are wrong with that. And and you may say, well, you're fine with him at $4 million. Why, why are you not fine with him at $10 million? It's like, if you're willing to invest that much to make it a QB competition with Daniel Jones, then you already kind of have your answer on Daniel Jones, right? Like that, that, that signals that Daniel Jones isn't the guy. And then you're paying $10 million to Mitch Trubisky. Is he the guy? Like, are you saying well, that you, so, so and, and this would be my, the only way that you can pay him $10 million. I'm not saying you should. The only way you can though, is he's your starting quarterback. Like you're, you're giving the answer when you sign him to the contract, a three year, you know, 28 and a half million dollar contract, two year, whatever it is, right. Two year, eight, 19 million, something, whatever it may be. When you sign him to that contract and he comes in the door, making more money than Daniel Jones understanding, because there's been other circumstances where quarterbacks make a lot of money in their backups, but understanding this is supposed to be the question year for Daniel Jones underneath this new regime. If you sign Mitch Trubisky for it, that's saying, He's our starting quarterback. Daniel Jones is the backup. He's going to play out the string. We're moving on. And we, the only reason why we didn't do it in another fashion is because we couldn't just eat the salary of Daniel Jones' contract. We didn't want to just outright pay him the $9 million. We'll use him as a backup. You made an excellent point, which is very, very critical in this whole thing, Adam, is it feels like DG, our, our old friend, Dave Gettleman, would mm-hmm. sign Mitch Trubisky to a one-year $10 million deal. And that would leave the Giants in no man's land. Like if you are going to sign Mitch Trubisky to a $10 million annual deal, it has to be a multi-year deal. It has to be a oh, two-year yes. deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Good you, Lord. You yeah. can't just you can't just give him the starting reins for one year and then he plays well. And now you have to give him like a $50 million contract. You have to make it like worthwhile for your team. If you have him and Daniel Jones in the last year of their deal and he's making more than Daniel Jones, that's a recipe for disaster. So I am in agreement that if they do go with Mitchell Trubisky and they do pay him $10 million. They're signaling that yes, he is the starter and B it has to be on a multi-year deal. So you have him under team control to actually like work through this whole rebuild. Oh, of course. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, listen, it sounds like, even though it's interesting, um, that the giants are in a murky water now, right? Because no one is saying like right now that no one's saying Mitch Trubisky is an automatic starter for another team that signs him just that, He's top among the list of quarterbacks that teams might want to bring in to push whoever they currently have in there, right? So if you take them out of those waters, like this is push come to shove here for the Giants. Like this is this is where Brian Dable and Joe Shane, who both came from Buffalo, they're behind closed doors and they're going, well, sugar, sugar, Bri. Our intention was here to kind of act like we wanted Mitch to be a good voice in the room and, you know, balance things out here. And then he was going to take over next year as the quarterback. Like now all of a sudden you kind of got to show your cards. If you really wanted Mitchell Trubisky and if Dable was just, and and Joe Shane, were just throwing flowers at Daniel Jones feet, kind of like, well, you're here. So we might as well tell you, we think you're great. Right. Like I, and I, I don't think that that's necessarily the case, but that this is where, it probably takes Mitchell Trubisky off of their radar unless that was the, the the vision they had. This as Mitchell Trubisky's team bridge quarterback to future draft pick next year at the top. Well, the other thing is it's kind of the sad state of affairs of the free agency quarterback market. Like in the NFL, starting yeah, top <laughs> 15 quarterbacks don't become available in free agency. They just don't. Like teams hold on to them forever because they're so valuable. So when you think about who's available – Mitch Trubisky sat on like a $3 million deal behind Josh Allen. And now all of a sudden reinserts himself into, I can start for a, uh, you know, three to five teams that don't have a quarterback. Now after that, you're talking about free agents of like 
Teddy Bridgewater, Marcus Mariota, Andy Dalton, Ryan Fitzpatrick. Like, there's not Tyrod that. Taylor. Yeah, our our guy Tyrod Taylor. There's not that many guys that you're like, oh, this is going to be our future starting quarterback. There's a lot of guys where you're like, well, Plan A didn't work out, so that's why Ryan Fitzpatrick is in lead dog in camp with a third round quarterback behind him, right? Like, so I I love Mitchell Trubisky as an idea. I think that there's stipulations on it. I think price point is clearly one of them. Length of contract would be the other one. And really, you know, are we addressing all the other needs that we have before we're shelling out a bunch of cash on a potential backup quarterback or, or a starting quarterback over Daniel Jones? What's that value compared to putting that $10 million on a guard or a center? Right. Oh, sure. And that's that. And that's what matters, by the way, footnote, as we get out the door here, and like I said, we're going to, I'm going to rewrap my mind around the combine. The rest of the week is going to really dive in on a lot of these names. I'm going to lay out some guys that I think would be great for the New York football giants. And we'll also update things along the way. Like the fact that Bradley Bozeman, formerly of the Baltimore Ravens has been listed as a potential fit for the New York football giants in free agency, 27, going to be 28 year old center. If you're looking to pick him up, Can you afford to throw money at Mitch Trubisky, right? I like the idea of signing anyone at any position that confirms a question I had about someone else, right? If you sign Mitch Trubisky for the money and it tells me we're done with Daniel Jones for better, uh, good, for better or worse, right? Like I now know we're done with Daniel Jones. We can stop thinking about him. If you sign wide receiver X, it tells me this, right? So that's, that's really what I want is information about what the future for the New York football giants looks like. It seems as though it's going away from Mitchell Trubisky, but we'll wait and see. Who knows? Maybe Daniel Jones for a sixth-round pick is a draft day deal they just can't refuse. My goodness, friends, the combine has been electric. It's been uh, absolutely uh, just a blistering show for so many young talents around the league. We're going to dive in on all of them. Closing comments, Andy, uh, at the end of the day before we get out of here? At the end of the day, everyone that goes to the combine in Indianapolis says that it's awesome, like the setup, the hotels, the accommodations, the restaurants. Like They just have it figured out. At the end of this year, it's up for contract. They may move it. They're talking about LA as a possibility, talking about Vegas with the new stadium as a possibility. Mm -hmm. There's way hipper, funner places. But don't you feel like just give this to Indy? Like Indy, Indy earned one. Like they don't really get all the flashy places and flashy free agents. Give them the draft or give them the combine, right? Like that, that seems like a fair trade to be able to give them that they've been doing it forever. Why, why, if it's not broke, don't try to fix the darn thing, right? They do a great job. The atmosphere is fantastic. And quite frankly, it's hot in Vegas. So what are the chances that I go there when they're trying to run these guys out there, even in March, I doubt that it's going to be temperate for a pale skinned man like myself. We'll be back in breaking it all down for the New York football giants on the one giant podcast. Follow us on YouTube. Get the podcast where we get those needs fulfilled. And as Andy wants needs and nay demands, the people know. As always, let's go Big Blue.